Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey everybody, welcome back to Bucketheads, Land Grant, Holy Land's college basketball podcast. My name is Connor Lamont, and I'm here with Justin Goble for episode 66 of our College Hoops podcast. Justin, we sat here two weeks ago as Ohio State entered what we thought could be a possibly favorable four-game stretch, and we agreed that if Ohio State could win three of the four games, which we're thinking back was uh, Wisconsin, Michigan, Northwestern, Michigan State, three of the four at home, if they could win three of those games, not only would they have a chance to get in the tournament, but they would be back on track to get in the tournament. Ohio State has lost all four. That's what they did. <laughs> They're 3 11 yeah. in the Big Ten. They are in 13th place in front of Minnesota. They have a nice two game cushion over Minnesota, but they are now, I think, two games behind Minnesota for that that highly sought after 12th place spot now. I'm two behind Nebraska. I'm sorry. Two games behind Nebraska. Um, yeah, but you know, Connor, if they win their next six, I think they'll be in good shape to. Uh, <laughs> I mean, if you, it's it's funny. I think we've been doing this the entire time. I'm just like, well, they went through the next four, you know. And at some point, you just gotta admit they suck. Um, and that was my last. Yeah, that was my last stand. Was, yeah, like, at this they point, three, they gotta win, win the Big Ten tournament, maybe. You know what's hilarious though? <laughs> it's such a stupid thing to say. If they don't see Purdue, I could still see them winning the Big Ten tournament. I don't know. <laughs> Oh, this team is crazy. I don't get it, man. It's tough to watch. Um, Have you had people ask you, people ask you about Ohio State that didn't didn't previously ask you about Ohio State, that like if they were doing well, they would just let you go, Uh but now they suck. Justin, what's going on with this team? You you follow this team. What's going on? Brother, you don't even know. (laughs) The amount of text messages I get. I walked into work the other day, my real job, because as we said, as good as we as good as we are at this, this is not our this is not our full time jobs. We have jobs. I walked into work the other day, sat down, and from behind me I heard, "Hmm, Michigan State, huh?" 
This is people that do not watch college basketball, do not follow college basketball. They just know I am Ohio State fan, and they like to see me in pain for some odd reason. Yes, that's what happens when your team isn't good. Or I've also noticed, it's funny, when Kent State was on an absolute tear, I was starting to get some text messages about them. So I've gotten those text messages this year on both sides of the aisle, um, but a lot more about Ohio State for sure. Yeah, I got people – I work at a government office, people in suits and ties and uh, – like I work in a government office and I have had people who have never, ever asked me about basketball who are stopping at my desk and are saying, what is going on with Ohio State basketball? And I'm like, you've never – you have you have never taken the time out of your day to ask me how Ohio State beat whatever before. How did they win that game? Now it's like, what in the world is going on with this dumpster fire? And I'm just like, you know. Well, I, and that's that's the funny I, part I is they don't want the answer because the answer is like I can have a 30 minute conversation with you about this. They don't want the answer. They just want you to say they suck. Um, which I do think it's it's what the what the issues are going on right now. I do think are deeper than that. Um, but it is kind of interesting that it seems like whenever your teams are playing poorly, people tend to talk to you about them more. As a Browns fan and a Reds fan, I can relate to that. That's what I wanted to look up. I wanted to pull the standings up just to see how bleak it is, how far behind. I think they are two games behind Nebraska. Yeah, well, no, it's three. And, no, they're two and a half games behind. Right, well, that's Nebraska got a big win last night at the rack. So T- Temporary pause. It is absurd that the 12th place team in the Big Ten is 6-10. and 10. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, we knew the Big Ten was going to be bunched up. Unfortunately, I think we thought Ohio State would be in that bunch. <laughs> but like, let me see here. So, in fourth place right now is a one, two, three, four-way tie of Maryland, Illinois, Michigan State, and Iowa, all at eight and six, and Nebraska six and ten. <laughs> Nebraska is two games away from getting a double bye in the Big Ten tournament, and they are in twelfth place. <laughs> we're at this weird point where I was watching the Maryland game the other day. I forget who they were playing. And I said out loud to myself, because I live alone, I said out loud, Connor, I think Ohio State could use Hakeem Hart. And at that moment, I realized, man, we're in a tough spot. We're in trouble. (laughs) We're in a tough spot. Because I still think that sentence is true. But it's a problem when you have to say it. Get 30. It's it's, just looking at the Big Ten standings is just. No diss to Hakeem Hart, by the way. It's. It's so it's just so weird that yeah I mean you have Purdue. Well, the is, problem is they're ahead of Minnesota, but you can't even brag about that because they're Minnesota's one win. <laughs> this is the most the Big Ten is going to eat itself that the Big Ten has ever been. Like they say that every year, the Big Ten is going to eat itself. Any other year, Purdue at twelve and three with five to go, Purdue would be like in the hunt for the Big Ten title, but by no means a favorite. It's pretty much over. Like Purdue. I guess Purdue could stumble down the down the down the road here and go three and two or two and three. I don't expect that to happen though. Um, it's more or less wrapped up for Purdue, and then teams two through twelve are all separated by two games. Yeah, I will say the Northwestern game was the first time I saw Purdue kind of really look like they faltered or kind of gave a game away. It felt like all their other losses felt like the other team just won the game, but um, that was the first time I was watching. I was like, man, Purdue kind of gave this one away. But uh, and I was watching that over Ohio State, Michigan State, by the way. <laughs> also, if you if you bet on games, it's fun to look at the the spread 
with Ohio State when they play different teams because Vegas still very much considers Ohio State like in you know, Ohio a State has, has broken every metric computer Vegas yeah, whatever Vegas, it is they broke they've broken it Vegas still considers Ohio State in a tier with like Michigan Wisconsin Michigan State maybe Penn State they might even be above Penn State if you look at lines by that I mean like if Purdue goes to travel to Ohio State, the the line will probably be like right now. It would probably be like Purdue two and a half or Purdue I say two three to and three. a half. Yeah. And if Purdue went to Nebraska, which I think has already happened this year, the line is probably going to be like Purdue seven and a half or Purdue six and a half or something. Even though Nebraska is like two and a half games up on Ohio State, it's like even Vegas is still like very much considering Ohio State to be in a tier above like Minnesota, Nebraska, I want to say Penn state, but they probably lumped them in relatively close with like Penn state, Michigan, Wisconsin. Um, because Ohio state, other than the Michigan state game and the Indiana game out of these 12, it's pretty much like a five or six point game with two minutes every time. Yeah. And they just look at each other and they say, guys, huddle up. How are we going to fuck this up? Okay. And break. And then they find a way to fuck it up. And they look like that in their faces, too. They don't look confident. They look like they know they're going to find a way to fuck it up. And they always do. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not even like – it's not even game – because my always thing is like it always tends to to even out when you're chasing the whole game, right? You can cut it to four, but then if they just – you're always in fear of that. Like you can never make a mistake, you know, right? Even if, if you're down by ten, you can cut it to two. But one bad defensive and offensive possession, it's another it's a six point game again. You know, you just you're never in good position, but like the Northwestern game and the Wisconsin game weren't like that. They were winning. It was just like you need to pull away now. And they never pulled away. And then Boo Boo hits a couple shots down the stretch, or I don't even I don't remember the Wisconsin game, but I know they lost. Like it, these games are just really starting to mold together in my brain. But like the Michigan State game was kind of a I don't want it's not a fluke because they lost, that's all they do. But I mean, I'm just the, the shooting from the field was just abysmal. I mean, they were even the wide even open the Michigan shots. even even the Michigan State game though it it was different from the Indiana game because in the end Indiana game Indiana built a massive lead in the first half. They went into halftime up by a ton, and that's where it stayed. The Michigan State game, Ohio State was down. What a terribly ugly first half! It was twenty-seven to fourteen. I think. My goodness. But yeah. anyway, and they scored 14 points in the first like five minutes of the segment. Yeah. And then Ohio State gets it back Slayer. within five. By like the 10 minute mark, Ohio State is back within five points with 10 minutes to go. Yep. And that is, that Win. is, I wouldn't say that's a, I would not say that is a tie game. That's not a tie game mathematically, <laughs> but a two possession game with 10 minutes to go. I mean, to me, that's like, okay, it's basically a tie game. I mean, you're right there. That's a two-possession game with 10 minutes left. Yeah, a one-possession game is essentially like a tie game when you think of it in that terms. Right. So, I mean, it's a two-possession game. You're literally a bucket, a quick turnover, and a bucket from tying the game. Um, And that that series of events could happen in a span of 10 or 15 seconds. Like, that's how close you are in a five-point game with 10 minutes left. So I wouldn't even consider the Michigan State game to be the same as the Indiana game because the Indiana game, they were ran off the floor early, and that's how it stopped. The Buckeyes made a run right. against Michigan State second half, and it was like got within five. They had the ball. Okay, you have a chance to make this a one-position game, and you turn it over. 
and you give up a three back to eight and then it's like the balloon has popped and then from there it just like got much worse but they 10 minutes left they're right there again like very few only really the indiana game did they just get ran off the floor it was over pretty much as soon as it began and that's where i think that, that purdue even this weekend purdue like it will not shock me in the least bit if in no. the final five minutes of this game, the score is like 62-56 Purdue. And like Ohio State is right there in the end against Purdue. And they Jayden will Ivey hits the game winner. Yes, exactly. They will lose. They will find a way to lose. No, there's no doubt about that. It will almost definitely be a, a tight, a good tight game, I'm guessing. It hmm. typically is. Also, I just realized I said the Wisconsin game. They were then striking this the whole time. I meant to say Michigan. The Wisconsin game was the, the Chris Holman ejection. So, like I said, these games are all molding together in my head. But even the Wisconsin game. Even, even the Wisconsin, Wisconsin game, game, they did come back. But that was more of the chasing point I made because they, they were – like Michigan State, they were chasing the whole second half. The Michigan and Northwestern yeah. game, if yeah. they weren't chasing in the second half. It was pretty much back and forth. They just could never pull away. So – and that's where I think the ta- – the, so I think that – there's enough talent on this team, right? Just pure talent. Sean McNeil's eventually going to hit some shots. Justice Suing gets to his spot, hits that little left, you know, left little pull-up jumper. He likes Bryce Sensabaugh can score from anywhere. Like Bruce Thornton needs to be so much more assertive than he is, but when he's assertive, he's fantastic on offense. Like there's talent there. It's just, it's so inconsistent and it's so hard to get. And I do think it's a part, it's part of the roster construction. And I said this to somebody and I was like, you know, I, I, obviously, we tend to be more, I think most people would call us defenders or Chris Holtman. Um, but when I say the when I say the roster construction is bad and it, it, they never gelled this year, that's a that's a criticism, right? Because that's that's your job. And it just this team on paper before the season started, it looked really good. And at times this season, it's looked really good. But for the most part, and this is a this is a problem you have or a chance that you take when you have ten or eleven new guys. It just hasn't really shown on the court, especially in conference play. And that's what happens. You have these runs of like, wow, this team looks really good. They're on a 12-2 run. Wow, they're on a 16-2 run. Wow. But then they go seven minutes without scoring. Then they go eight minutes without getting a stop. And it's just it's too inconsistent to string together any type of wins. Yeah. I mean, the team is just – they're bad defensively. It's been like that for three years. Um, but I do think that – I do really think that that's going to change next season. I don't I don't know if last season, if I said that or if we said that, but I think next season when you have a starting lineup of Bruce Thornton at the one, Roddy Gale at the two, and then you're going to have one of either Scotty Middleton or Devin Royal um, sitting at the three slash four in the middle there. I, I think that that is, that's going to be, if it's Scotty, if it's Scotty at the three and you have Bruce, Roddy, Scotty, um, which is, which is, funny and rhymes that's going to be three really good on ball defenders bruce throwing throwing brawny roddy scotty brawny bruce brawny roddy anyway um i'm not bruce is a good defender bruce is a good defender roddy is turning into a very good defender scotty is going to probably come into college as a pretty good defender as a freshman so i think that with those guys on the court i think that you're laying the you're laying the the train tracks or the the uh, whatever word you want to put that for some really good a really good defensive lineup, but this year it's not it. <laughs> this year ain't it. They don't have any combinations that they can put out there of guys that are going to get consistent stops while also being able to get buckets. Um, you well, they don't have Isaac Likely. 
You can't put yeah. Isaac Likely on the floor for defense because then the offense might go stale. You can't leave yeah. Bryce Hensibaugh on the floor for 10 to 15 minutes straight because he might score. Right now he's really struggling, but then he's going he's going to give up buckets on the other end. Well, and that's like, you know, a, a lot of people criticized Holtman because, you know, Sensibaugh, whatever, during the Northwestern game, he only played like 16 minutes or whatever, but or the Michigan game, whichever game it was. But it's like most of the game like, they were winning. He was playing like ass. Yeah, most of the game they were winning. So it's like, okay, you know, what what kind of do you want them to do there? You know, and when you watch, when you listen, when you watch the game, there's sometimes, and this is where the, this is the difference between Malachi and Bryce to me. Because a lot of, obviously the comparison is, is, is obvious, right? The compared to just the two probably, probable one and dones of the past two years. It never looked like when it wasn't there, Malachi was forcing it. Now, to be fair, it never really looked like it wasn't there for Malachi outside of like some games early in the season. But it does feel like, and maybe that's a part of like Malachi and EJ to, to play off of, right? Bryce Sensabaugh doesn't have that. I completely recognize that. This isn't a criticism. He's a freshman. He's the best player on their team, or best, at least offensive player. I'm positive one to say best player, but best offensive player by far. Uh, probably the best player. Probably an NBA draft pick. Probably, for, I mean, definitely an NBA draft pick. Probably a first round draft pick this year. Maybe a lottery pick. I've seen it fluctuate all of which ways. So it's hard to predict right now, but it's, what was I saying? Oh, uh, sorry, my brain is all over the place. Um, it never looked like Malachi was forcing it when it wasn't there. With Bryce, sometimes it's like he either gets moving a little too fast or he just kind of starts forcing it, and it, it can really take him out of his own rhythm, it feels like. And and that's where I think he could just use one more year to kind of learn underneath that. You know, you're bringing back a lot of guys last year that you didn't get to bring back this. Like, you know, you got 11 new guys this year or 10 new guys. Next year, at least Bruce will be back. Felix will be back. Roddy will be back. You know, there there are guys that are coming back to this team. Zed will be back. So maybe Eugene, maybe Tanner, who knows. But um, you'll have kind of that that connective tissue that you didn't get to have this year, especially with Bryce being a freshman. He had no connectivity, you know, no tissue with any of these guys. He's new to the to the whole team. So I don't know. I, I just think that he could really use one more year. Again, like I said, he's a phenomenally talented player. There's no no shade on him in that regard. I just think he could use maybe one more year to fine-tune some of those skills. And maybe that's just selfishly me wanting him back because I know that he could – I think next year there may be a top 15 team in the country if he comes back. Um, obviously, that's complete conjecture. But I don't know. We'll see. I'm trying to find um, the most recent mock draft on The Athletic because – Bryce was on the day of the Iowa game. Bryce was the number 14 pick in that mock, which if he is being mocked as the number 14 pick, he is gone. He is good as gone. Yeah. And, and, um, and more, there will be no, hesitation. I would never criticize. Yeah. I would, you can never criticize a dude for going. If he's going to be a lottery pick, I mean, damn. but after but. he's been, he has objectively been bad and he has, hindered his team's ability to win the game on both ends of the court the last three games. So I'm just I'm wondering I'm wondering if the most recent mock draft maybe drops him. And I think he's a really good player. I like him a lot. Like a year ago when we had the draft class and we would talk about the draft class, Bryce Sensabaugh was always the one that I said I was the most excited for. And he was still like a not even a top fifty player. I just saw a big respectfully, a big chunky kid who has a lot of fun playing basketball who knocks down threes like crazy. And I was like, listen, I don't know how he's going to pan out or how well-rounded he's going to be, but he's going to be so much fun to watch. And I said that like a year ago. I like him as a player, but like, man, it's been rough the last two weeks or so. 
Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you're, just, you're never going to win games when your two, I guess, your two best players are probably, Bryce is definitely number one, probably just assuming is number two. Um, what were they, five for 25 combined against Michigan State, something like that, three for 14 and two for 15. So, ice or two for 11. You just, you're never going to win games like that. And Justice, I, you know, it's been up and down a year for him. He's been better as of late, but. I do think it's just been hard for him to, you know, since he transferred from Cali, sat a year, played, sat a whole year with injury, play. It's hard to get back into that groove when you're just, everything's kind of stopping and starting and stopping and starting. And I think for him, he just never quite got back to that model of consistency at a Cal. And obviously the Pac-12's not as deep as the Big Ten. So, you know, that that's probably a factor. But um, he, he has been better of late, so I give him a lot of credit there. But and no matter how much he struggled, his his effort hasn't wavered. So I, I do again credit him there. Yeah, I do think um, Justice got a lot of a lot of flack. I would say from us as well, but also from just in general the fans. And it's just a general. Even the coaches were willing to admit, like, yeah, he's just going through it right now. He's not playing well. The last three or four games, I guess Michigan State, he played pretty poorly, but literally everybody on that team had a bad game. Um, That's also a tough matchup for him. The three games prior to that, um, he was averaging like 14 points and 14 points a game and like eight rebounds a game. And he was shooting nearly 60% from the floor for that three game stretch before Michigan state. So like he was playing pretty well. He still can't hit a three to save his life, which is really weird because he was a much better shooter um, pretty much his whole career before this. So I don't know why, you know, I don't know why it's fallen down so much, but yeah, I mean, he got a lot of flack, but there weren't a ton of people who came back around afterwards and were like, oh, you know, Justice has really bounced back and is playing well. It was a lot of shit thrown on Justice. And then there wasn't, I didn't see a whole lot of, <laughs> a whole lot of like, hey, you know, Justice has bounced back and he's playing no, pretty no well No one's going right to say now. that. They're, they just go silent when he starts playing well. That's the unfortunate part. And don't, I look, and I'm not going to get on my soapbox here. No one needs to hear and no one cares, I'm sure. But, and obviously there are, obvious fair criticisms for the team this year. I'm not going to sit here and say you can't criticize a team that's 11 to 14 and objectively wildly underperforming. However, we do this thing and we do with everything that we cannot criticize while also giving flowers where flowers are due. And when Justice Swing was playing well, none of those flowers were being given. They were just either criticizing his play before or just throwing that criticism onto someone else like Zed Key or at the time Bruce Thornton was struggling. So it was him. Um, I mean, there were people willing to give up on a freshman point guard who objectively had a good. It's had a good season, just went through a little tough spell. That's that's ridiculous. Bruce Thorne is going to be a force in the Big Ten. Yeah, Bruce Thornton. Bruce Thornton is going to be one of the best Ohio State point guards of the past. I would say probably thirty, forty years by the time he's done at Ohio State. Uh, his fresh. I mean, his freshman year so far has been objectively very like very good so he's averaging nine points a game 2.6 assists 2.8 rebounds he's shooting 43.8 percent overall 
37% from three, 78% from the free throw line. Um, 2.6 assists to 1.4 turnovers, not fantastic, but not bad. Um, especially in the non-conference, he played really well early on. He's just, he hit a little bit of a, a tough, a tough spot for a six or seven game stretch, but the last couple of games also Bruce has played really well. He had, I think 22 at Michigan. Yeah, kept him in that game. And that's like a refreshment to step up in that moment, in that atmosphere against your biggest rival, says all you need to know. And also, again, he had that bad six-game stretch. For some freshmen, that can kill them. For him, it literally just made him better. He, he worked out of it. So I, there's no doubt in my mind at one point he's going to be at all big. I said this about Roddy Gale, too. I think they're both going to be all Big Ten players by the time they're done here. And there's no reason. I mean, giving up on them is just is nonsense to me. Yeah, I would say, you know, I, I can't – I don't expect this team to win a game until I, I see them win a game, I guess. That doesn't make much sense, but also it makes perfect sense. Like, you it can say all, sense the, all, all the logic, like, you can say, like, oh, this matchup makes sense, this makes sense, this makes sense. Ohio State's already had several games where you're like, listen, everything lines up. You have to win this game, and they don't. So until they can win a game, I won't believe that they will win another game. But – and I still, what I see with my eyes still is a team that is, they look defeated and they doubt themselves. Um, they're good enough to hang with every team in the Big Ten because they Cause already they have. Because <laughs> they minus, literally have. Minus, like I said, like I said, minus Indiana who ran them off the court. But I still do think that, I'd say hypothetically on a neutral court, or if Indiana came to Columbus, they can hang with Indiana. They can hang with anybody, but after you lose so many games, when you get to the final few minutes, like the Northwestern game where you're up yeah. a couple points or, or another game where you're down a couple points, whether you're up three or down three with three minutes left, they're looking at each other like, okay, how are we going to mess this up? Or like they miss a crucial three that maybe would have pushed it from three to six. And you can just feel all the air get let out. Like, Oh boy. Okay. All right. This is going to, the wheels are going to come off now. Right. And the wheels always come off the bus in the final. That's few what it feels like. Eight. That's what it feels like to me is like, they trust themselves because I see it, but also at the same time when if it's late in the game and, like, again, the other team hits a big three or they miss a big three, it's kind of like they start looking around like, oh, shit, not again. You know, and that's where you kind of get – I mean, the Northwestern game with 11, at 11.48, they're up 45-42. At 8.27, they're down 48-47. At, five, at uh, 4.44, they're down 61-52. But then at, th- at 2.59, they're down 61-57. Right, but at no point in that game do I think they were going to win. They were winning nope. with ten minutes left. At no point in that game do I think they were going to win the game. This is at home against Northwestern. Now Northwestern is technically in second place in the Big Ten. However, it's also a team you beat by sixteen on the road. <laughs> you know, it's just at no point do I think they're going to win the game, and that's the issue you run into. I mean, they were and they were catching a Northwestern team that the last three games they'd scored in the fifties, and they scored sixty nine. And it's on the guys and it's also on the coaches because if your guys, if your guys look defeated, if your guys have this attitude in the final five minutes of how are we going to lose this game or like not an intensity of like not a hungry attitude of like we're up three with three minutes left or we're up three with four minutes left. It's time to step on their necks and put this out of reach. Let's finish this. Or we're down three with three minutes left. Let's go. We're right there. Let's finish this. Let's go. Like uh, Felix Akpara, you mentioned this before we started recording. 
said, I wasn't at the media brief with the players on Tuesday, but I guess he said something like, we need to have more dog in us in close games and that people look too calm in the final minutes of games that are close. Like they don't have the attitude of we're up by a little bit. So let's, let's put this thing away or we're only down by a little bit, like stand up, let's go get pumped up. We're going to, we're going to do this shit. Like almost like they look resolved to the fact that, you know, we're probably going to lose this game and it is what it is. And look, and when you lose like that, I like, I understand, you know what I mean? It's easy to get that way. It really is. And I hope maybe we're wrong. I hope we are. We're just going up what we see. You know what I mean? And we're not in that locker room or anything, but I do hope that they at least finish out the season strong, maybe a couple wins down the stretch, you know, get some experience. I, I do like that they started three freshmen. Um, also, if you keep criticizing Holtman for changing up the starting lineups, why? You Nothing's working. That's when you make changes. Like, <laughs> I, I understand changing it every single game. They're losing every single game. So you change it up. I liked the three freshmen starting. Because that could be again if Bryce comes back, they could be. That's probably three starters next year. Almost guaranteed three starters next year. Get them that experience. I'm I'm interested to see kind of how the rotations work moving forward. I likely only played six minutes against Michigan State, so you know I don't know if that is just a game thing. I don't know if maybe he'll play less going forward. I don't I don't really know, but I just know that stood out to me. So I don't know. We'll see. It's um. I can tell you that Bleacher Report. Bleacher Report has Bryce, this was as of yesterday, going 16 overall. And Sports Illustrated has Bryce going 19 overall. And Yahoo has Bryce going 19 overall. All right. I mean, I Malachi went 20. I think I, I from know. what I'm getting, from what I'm seeing and what I'm – I don't want to say hearing like people are telling me at the program, like, yep, he's already made up his mind. It's done. Um, the assumption, the assumption from people around the program is that he is gone. Which, because of these kinds of things. I mean, again, if you're mocked by every draft, be top 20 pick, you probably will be, and there's no reason for you to come back. I understand that. And they know how many, right, so they get the credential applications for how many NBA scouts are coming to the games, too. So they Well, and also the biggest scout. They can tell how many, go ahead. I was just going to say, it's not, it's probably not, Good for it's good for Bryce, not good if you want him to come back. That the biggest scout game of the year, he had probably his best game, the North Carolina game. So, yes, like so they know how many NBA scouts. Like they can tell when they had a couple NBA scouts at a game. So all of a sudden we have a dozen NBA scouts, or we have fifteen, or whatever. Like it's not just it's not just social media. It's like you know they're contacted by NBA teams. There people are asking to come watch him. So you can tell when the hype is picking up and you can tell if all of a sudden that was to die down, which it hasn't. So I still think he's, I, th- I think he's gone. It seems like the team is also assuming he's gone. Um, does not seem like that's going to impact the recruiting class. Doesn't seem like anybody is going to decommit. Um, they're not going to fire Chris Holtman. I, <laughs> I still, I, I still don't think that Chris Holtman leaves Ohio state until Chris Holtman says I'm leaving Ohio state. <laughs> until they fired, until they fire Calipari. Let's be honest. That that is a job that people can can scoff and laugh all you want. When Calipari leaves Kentucky, that phone call is getting made to Chris Holman. It just yeah. is. You, you can. I also you, thought, yeah, I've seen people literally call Jardy and other people stupid online for saying that. It's almost a fact. So I don't. You know yeah, whether you agree with it or not. Probably, that's not what this is about. 
he'll get an interview for the Kentucky job whenever it comes open, assuming he hasn't taken a different job at that point. I think that if Notre Dame had opened up in, say, 2025 and not 2023, if yeah. things were still heading south, honestly, I that makes a lot of sense too. But Michael Shrewsbury makes a lot of opening, sense, I think, for that one too, but he's just been at Penn State yeah. too short a time maybe. But, yeah, this isn't a coaching podcast, but. That would be a bummer. I, I like we like Penn State. Very, very much. We're agree. a big Penn State podcast, and I would be really disappointed if he left for Notre Dame. I think he's. I think he's a fantastic head coach. Another name that I think will definitely. This isn't a secret that will pop around to pretty much all these big openings now is Dennis Gates, um, just because what he's doing it. But again, he's only been in Mizzou for a year, so you know it's funny too. A little soapbox here. Um, I saw people talk about when it comes to coaching and stuff. And a little big example of like, you can find a coach anywhere, which also is just objectively not true. But you can find a coach anywhere. They're pointing to Dennis Gates at Missouri, right? It is Dennis Gates, right? Why does that not sound right? Am I saying that wrong? No, it's it Dennis is Dennis Gates. Gates. Okay. He came from Cleveland yeah. State to Missouri. Yeah, which yeah. he did. Again, objectively an amazing job. Dennis Gates is an incredible head coach, by the way. Um, but I keep seeing people and they're like, look at, the, look at what Dennis Gates is doing year one at Mizzou. He's a national coach of the year candidate. Well, guess who else was a National Coach of the Year candidate his first year at a, at a program? Hmm. Right. I'll let other people fill in that blank. Sometimes you got to let this stuff marinate a little bit and just see how it goes. Um, because that's just proving my point. <laughs> the answer for people that might not know is Chris Holtman. Um, so, like, and again, I think Dennis Gates is going to do a great job in Missouri. But I'm just saying, like, you got to let these things kind of naturally progress sometimes. And I do think that when it comes to coaching, you know, we, we always say, I, I don't know why this is such a hot take that it's impressive. They've been to the tournament every year under Chris Holtman. Literally only six coaches have done it over the past seven years, been to the tournament every year. And it's the other five are elite coaches by any metric. Right. And then the argument comes, well, they've gone further. Yes, that's, but that's not the argument I'm making. Right. I get that, but that's not the argument I'm making. I do think they've underperformed in March. Chris Holtman will be the first one to tell you they've underperformed in March, right? I'm sure that Earl Roberts loss still keeps him up at night. I like, I get that. But again, this is kind of where it comes with that. Like you can criticize while also giving flowers where flowers are due. That is objectively a good stat and will end this year very likely. But do you get rid of a guy the first time he has a bad season? They've had probably disappointing finishes to seasons, probably two of them. They haven't had a bad season because they've only lost in the first round of the tournament one time, and that was when they were two seed. That's not a bad season. That's a bad end to a season. And other years, they won the first game of the tournament. You can't win a game in the tournament and have a bad season. Okay, so that's where I just I, – is it a bad season this year? Absolutely. But I do think – and I'm sure people will vehemently disagree with me on that, and that's fine. It's a great part of human nature. We all have different thoughts. I do think that he's earned the right – to pull them out of this or at least have a chance to. So that's, and that's where we'll see the next class come in. I also think jumping into a new job and suddenly being the conference coach of the year, taking the program to the NCAA tournament, to the sweet 16, whatever your very first year, that's, that's the exception. That's, that's not the norm. What, what Eric Musselman did at Arkansas. um, You've mentioned Dennis Gates, those things, that's not what typically happens when a coach takes a new job, inherits a yeah. roster of recruits that he didn't recruit. I mean, look at Indiana under Archie Miller the entire time he was there. 
Look at look at Louisville right now, right? Yeah. Look at Matt McMahon down at LSU. It's the exception that a coach takes over and suddenly is like, boom, we're, we're, we're going to come in second place in the conference. Typically, it does take a, a year or two for them to really start rolling. Um, that w- isn't how it was with Chris Holtman at Ohio State. He got there and they immediately started rolling. There's struggles in year six. In most programs, in your first year or two, you're building it up to really start rolling. There are some counterexamples, but that's the exception, not the norm. So, you know, I understand that people will throw out examples of look at this coach that took this program right away. Look at this coach. But you're pointing out the exceptions. You're not pointing out how it normally goes. There's no guarantee that if you hired somebody, there's no guarantee that if you hired a new coach next year, Ohio State would go whatever 14 and six in the big 10 and you know come in second place their first year there's no guarantee more likely than not they would probably miss the tournament again because that's how it typically goes with a first year coach yeah and, and look i'll make one more point and then we'll move on from this because i know people when a team's 11 14 you don't want to hear us just defend the coach I, I understand that and i understand the criticisms you know i really do the only thing i'll say too is i don't love the argument that oh well he only did it with modest team he can't do it with his own team his best season with that modest team first of all it's not true their best season was 2020 2021 again a very disappointing end to this season but they were still a two seed that went to the big 10 conference championship game subjective fact um just a very disappointing end of the season but that was their best season second of all you inherit when you inherit a team that you have lost the last two recruiting classes right the the those the second to last recruiting class for that model was the the train wreck that was Austin Grandstaff, Mickey Mitchell, right? AJ Harris. They, they, AJ they, all, Harris, left. they yeah. all left after the first season. Jaquan Lyle left after the second one. Pretty sure Austin Grandstaff's in like jail right now. Like train wreck of a of a recruiting class. They were all gone by the time Chris Holman got there. And then when Mata was left, fired, whatever it was, mutually parted ways, I think was the, the term. Dane Goodwin, Darius Baisley. Decommitted. Goodwin went to Notre Dame. Darius Baisley went to the NBA. Only person they retained from that class was Justin Arns. So, like, you lose two recruiting classes. Dad Mata brought in Kyle Young and got Caleb Wesson. Or Dad Mata. Chris Holtman brought in Kyle Young from Butler. Kyle Young was a Butler commit, brought him in, and then got the the Caleb Wesson commitment. And that's when, you know, yes, the players were there, but he lost two recruiting classes before that. That is no easy task, and they missed – Look, again, I don't know why people think this is like a Thad Mata critique. It's just a fact. They missed the past two tournaments that going into that season. That is not a program at a great place. It doesn't take away from what Thad Mata did. At one point, he was one of the best coaches in America, right? He's the best coach in Ohio State history, bar none. It's not even close, right? All that's true. But it's also true. These last two years, they missed the tournament. They missed the NIT as last year. It's just a fact. So it's tough to take that program over. I just, I don't know. I think he's earned the right with what he's done to pull them out of this. That's all. And look, in two years, if he doesn't, all right, let's talk. But I think you, I personally believe he will. Call me crazy. Yeah, I mean, with that said, you know, he's got to get his shit together. He knows he has to get his shit together from somebody that's been at 80% of the, any possible media availabilities that involve him this season. He knows he needs to get his shit together. He knows that he has fallen short of expectations this season in a major way as a coach with this roster, that it is not just you're unlucky or this guy left early or this happened or this player had a death in the family and left. 
he knows that he has done a poor job with this roster to this point. And I would correct you and say he has one more year. I would say as somebody who yeah yeah has I think I'm still counting. Years, I'm kind of still counting this year. So oh, yeah. Okay. He was not taking a little bit but. closer to the people that are a little bit closer. I can tell you he probably has one more year. Like if if we are talking in one year and Ohio State has three or four conference wins, he's out the door. But yeah, I just wanted to go over that and be like, we we both like the guy a lot. I don't want to see him fired. I truly do. We both truly do think that if he stays, this program does have a Final Four Elite Eight run in them with him as the head coach. That being said, if this if it's like this next year, he's gone. He's out the door. So. Yeah, that's I mean, how I would probably. Finish I would that. only. I would look at it like it's kind of the bar. Like you know, Dad might have missed the tournament twice. So if you missed the tournament twice, that's probably what you're looking at. But you know, just from a, you know, I I know nothing point of view. Um, that's the way I would look at it. But we went into this thinking we would talk about Ohio State for like ten fifteen minutes because we we're both like, this team sucks. I'm dead inside. There's not much to talk about. Forty minutes later, here we are. So we did want to jump on something a little different. That's not about Ohio State. If anybody has survived that rant and is still listening, we did want to revisit our final four picks from October, see how those teams are doing, and just in general, maybe take a look at what the bracket's looking like right now. Because my favorite podcast, I think we've only done it once, is when we sat and we fill out an entire bracket and make our picks. That's my favorite thing. Selection Sunday is my favorite day. And we're Which only we will like still um, be doing this year, regardless of Ohio State, I want to point out. Right. Absolutely. Okay. Thank yes, you. for sure. Yes, we'll still be doing that. We'll be covering that. I still um, very much love the tournament, whether high State's in it or not. So I obviously I love it way more I, when they're in it. But and like I, I said, I still multiple, think they can make it. I take the first. Uh, I take the fir- first round off work Thursday, Friday. I don't even. I'm not available for work, even if it was working yeah. on days. I'm not working. I'm. I used to get one. I used to get one free day every year. My my mom and dad would be like, "Look, you get one year, one day every year." You just don't want to go to school. You don't got to go. No excuse. Just, you know, you, it's kind of like my, like a 10-year-old's version of a mental health day. Um, I would always take just the whatever day Ohio State played in the first round of the tournament. <laughs> I would just take the day off and just watch the yeah, it's, it's better than Christmas. If I could, if I had to give Easily. up Christmas for, for the first round of the tournament, I would do it without thinking. Anyway, yeah, our final fours. So we had two common picks, and we both had North Carolina, and we both had Houston. And right now, Bracket Matrix – has as North Carolina as the third 11 seed. Now right again, where we want them. Yep. Right when the bracket comes out, there will technically be six 11 seeds because you have the two playing games of 11s. So as the third 11 seed, North Carolina would not be playing in Dayton as the play-in. They would just be the third 11, which would be what 11 11 sevens the matchup, right? Or is it 11 six? 11 six. 11 six. So they would 17. play. So they would play the second best six seed, which would be Creighton. It would be North Carolina Creighton in the first round, which is uh, my, one of my final two of my final four teams. So that would be tough an for my absolute, predictions. That would be an absolute banger. We both thought North Carolina would be much better than this this season, but it kind of seems like if they just I get into everybody, the tournament, I think everybody did. The, this is where you get the contrarians who are like, "I knew North Carolina is going to suck." No, you didn't. Shut up. As long as they get in, they have a loaded roster. They'll whoever gets them as the first round if they're like a ten or eleven. Yeah, it's, yeah, that's that, is, that is objectively funny. It's like, hey, good job. You're six seed. Hey, here's 11 seed Ormondo, Baycock, Caleb Love, and RJ Davis. Good luck. Yeah. We both had Houston. Houston's a one seed. Houston's been 
one of the most consistent teams all season. They'll be a one seed. They'll get a 16. They'll win their first game against a 16. And then, you know, we'll see what happens after that. But Houston is a very reasonable pick for a final four. North Carolina, we'll see what happens. And that is where we differ. So I had, I had Miami as one of my picks, which at the beginning of the season, Miami was unranked. Um, They were outside of the top 25. They are ranked now. They are a five seed right now in the bracket which means they would play, they're the second highest five seed, which means they'd play the third, the number 312, which would be Southern Miss. It would be Miami Southern Miss in the first round. They just just barely avoided the matchup no one wants, which is the Kent State Golden Flashes. (laughs) And um, I still think that, I still think, I still think Miami could make a Final Four. Um, I think it's possible. I think they're good enough to make the Final Four. I don't know. It's really funny when you watch Miami because, you know, a big, Statement, a sentiment around like the Ohio State program is, man, if only we got Nigel Pack, who's like having a decent season. He's like, he's, when I watch that team though, he's, he's the like third, third best player. He's the third guard I'd want. I'd rather, much rather have Isaiah Wong or Jordan Miller. Jordan Miller is fantastic. I don't know. I know yeah, they weren't options, but still. That's a fun team. Like I said, I think. Super fun team. Electric, explosive guard play in the tournament wins games. It can take over games. I think that they can make a Final Four. So I still think that pick is. Still fairly reasonable. And then my fourth was I have TCU. Um, which Tough start to the they, season, but they've been good since. If they can get healthy, um, I think that they are also could be a Final Four caliber team. They are the final five seed right now, which means they would play the highest 12 seed, which would be TCU versus Oral Roberts in the oh, first round. Jesus. Um, Can't get away from that fucking team. Oral Roberts is also one spot above Ohio State and Ken Palm right now. But anyway, uh, TCU or Roberts, TCU has been without Mike Miles for like five or six games in a row. Mike Miles, if people don't follow TCU, I hope you do follow TCU. He is like a first team, all big 12 caliber guy, averages 20 points a game. And then big, big Eddie Lampkin, their center has also been out for four or five games. I'm sure people remember him from when they played Arizona in the tournament and he went absolutely bonkers. Um, those guys are both out right now. So that's a little foggy when they'll come back. If they come back, if TCU could hold as a five seed, but I still think if they're healthy, TCU is a reasonable Final Four pick. And then your two picks, you had Creighton, which I'll tell you where they're at in the bracket. We already talked about that. Creighton is a six seed, the second highest six seed, which means they would play North Carolina in the first round. So you can tell us if you think Creighton is still a Final Four caliber team. Yeah, 100%. I think Creighton got off to a tough start to their season, but they're playing really good ball right now. And they're just incredibly talented, you know. I mean, they lost what it was last night to uh, Providence in double overtime at Providence. That's one of the tougher places to play. An absolute banger of a game. Maybe the game of the year. Baylor Shireman's fantastic. They got a lot of guys that can score. Uh, Remember, they they were losing a lot of games when Ryan Kalkbrenner wasn't playing. He's probably the glue that makes that team stick. And uh, they're seven foot center. So when he when he's out there, I think they can beat any team in the country. Honestly, I'm still on the Creighton train. And then the other team I had was Virginia. I'm still on the Virginia train as well. I think they they are a team that as long as they can score a little bit, they play just amazing defense. Reese Beekman is I think one of the more underrated players in the country. Um, Armand Franklin, the Indiana transfer, they need a little more from him. Ben Vanderplas has been a good. Kind of transfer addition. Jaden Gardner is a good forward. You know they have a lot of good players. Isaac Isaac McNeely has been one of the more like surprising freshmen of the year. If you don't know who that is, just look up. He's got one of the sweetest jumpers in in the game. So 
yeah, I, think, I think they can make a run for sure. This is a different kind of Virginia team. Um, friends of mine that don't watch college basketball all year long, they just know Virginia as all defense, slow down the pace, um, a bunch of white guys that have great fundamentals, which most years that is accurate. Um, this Virginia team has some legit athletes on this team. Like they have some, like, it's not, it is not just slow it down. Let's find a way to win 60 to 54 every game. I mean, they have some guys who can go ISO and really cause problems. Like Armand Franklin is still on that team, right? Yeah. Yeah. Jaden Gardner, you said, like, I think he's their X factor when he's playing their best. They're really tough to beat. They are similar to the 1920 team. They're not as talented, but that was like another, kind of a different example of a Tony Bennett team, Kyle Guy, Ty Jerome, DeAndre Hunter. You know, Gia Clark is still there, by the way. But, um, you know, that that team was more like, okay, we can score 70. We can score 75. We can win these these track meet type games. So this Virginia team's like that as well. So that's why I just – yeah, they're not quite as talented. As, I mean, Ty Jerome, Kyle Guy, and DeAndre Hunter, you're not going to find many better trios wasn't like, D, wasn't in the Wasn't Dia on that team too? Yeah. I mean, that starting five was unreal. Um, and then my guy Jack Salt off the bench, of course. So they they had a, that that was a very talented team, but this team is similar in terms of just play style. So, like I said, Reese Beekman is a first team All ICC guy. So you're uh, Virginia's the second highest three, which would match them up with the second, would which would be the third ten seed, which is Pittsburgh. But since they're both ACC, they would probably avoid that, and they would probably flip Pittsburgh in the next ten, which is Boise State. So you'd probably well, you said they'd be a three seed. The, they'd be a three seed to play a ten seed. Oh wait, I'm stupid. You're right. Hold they on. play a fourteen. Jesus Christ. Um, redact. The third fourteen is Iona. It would be uh, Rick Pitino. Oh Jesus! Well, we'll probably lose that game. So it'll be it'll, it'll be, be a fun run. Uh, <laughs> it'd be a fun run. We'll probably lose that game. Um, but yeah, Hound is really good. And then I guess, are there any other, just, I'm curious if there's any other, I, I want to say mid-major, but if I say mid-major, then you're just talking about why Kent State is going to make the Sweet 16. Just in general, what I guess, any other, any other teams that you think are getting hot at the right time? Like for me. All right. I won't say Kent State, but I will say Toledo. Um, they've won eight in a row, I think, or something similar to that. Uh, the, the problem with the Mac, we talked about this before, and like I, you could very if you pay attention to college basketball, I don't think anybody that that truly watches it and follows it and understands it would have a problem with Akron, Toledo, and Kent State all getting in. Uh, but a Mac hasn't gotten that large bid since 2000, which I'm pretty sure is the Wally Zerbiak Miami Ohio team. Um, yeah, so it's not going to happen. But uh, whoever wins the conference tournament will get in. But it sh- they should get all three bids. But if I had a mid major team, I was watching, I would say it's. I mean, St. Mary's is also hitting a hot streak like no other. I think Logan Johnson had 35 the other day. Like they're on, they're on absolute fire. This is Loyal and Marymount's very good. Justin Orange hasn't been great, but Loyal and Marymount's been very good. One of the better freshmen in the country as well. Um, they, they, they. I, somebody said this is the most excited they've been about a Loyal and Marymount team in like 25 years or something. Like, so I don't know. Maybe the WAC has some stuff cooking. It's tough. To, it, it's even for us college basketball sickos, it's really tough to keep up with the whack just because they play it ass of the night. But who wins your team? Um, yeah, I, don't know where well, I was going to say mid major. I wasn't going to go with mid major. I was just talking oh. in general. But just in general, I think that 
Uh, Baylor has gotten really hot. I think Baylor's yeah. a team that could actually make a Final Four. I think I like this Baylor team that's not going to be a one seed better than I like last season's Baylor team that was a one seed. Uh, Keontae George, LJ Cryer, Adam Flagler, the, that trio of guards is Oh my God, unbelievable. Um, Baylor just got Jonathan Chamwa Chachua back. Um, even if it's mostly an emotional boost, he's like a big difference maker on defense. Um, they still have Flo Thamba, which is like, he was the butt of all the mom, we want Mo Bamba. No, we have Mo Bamba at home tweets. They have Flo Thamba yeah. down low. Um, they're getting hot. <laughs> they're, yeah, they're a real good team. And then also, a team that, that, that was funny. <laughs> um, a team that Ohio State played early in the season that, didn't start very well, but they have come on lately. Is That's like the understatement of the century, but yeah. San Diego State. Oh, I thought you were going with Texas Tech. <laughs> I was like, they started yeah. 0 10 in conference play. They started a, lot, a little worse. No, than, yeah. uh, no I agree. State, San Diego State is hitting a day. Yeah, they're in their stride. They're ranked right now. They are a sixth seed, and I think they end a little higher than that um, because of all the things that we said about San Diego State back in November. Very, very, very veteran team. Several different guys who could kill you, as you saw when they played them. We expected it to be a low-scoring game, and that wasn't even the case. San Diego State was knocking down shots. So I think San Diego State and Baylor are the two teams that, when I look real quick, are like ascending. And if they hit the tournament on a hot streak, um, they could both win several games. Yeah, it's painful for me to say this because it's hard for me to admit when Ohio State's not the best team in, in the state of Ohio. This year it's a little bit easier to admit that. I do like Xavier a lot. Sule Boom has been one of the more like impressive underrated transfers. Obviously, you got guys, you know, they they got the big boys with um uh Jack Nudgy and uh the guy that's hurt whose name is escaping me. I'm so tired. Zach, uh, Freeman, Freeman. Yeah, Zach, yeah, Zach Fremantle. Um they have Adam Kunkel who can knock down shots, and then Colby Jones is maybe their best player. So they got a lot of um they have a lot of talent there. I just I need to see them win outside the Cintas Center. You know, it's just like I mean, if the density tournaments play the Cintas Center, they're winning the championship. Put all your money on. Yeah, it. but I mean, they lost to Butler at Butler. Yeah, Butler, it, it, once Butler they leave the Cintas Center, they, yeah, they forget how to play basketball. Um, so I'll give. I like Xavier, but I do need to see them win. I need to I need to see them in the Big East tournament. That's neutral. You know, I I need to see them on neutral floor and see how they play. So. I, Xavier, I'm like, I'm like, uh, one, like a foot in the water. I'm, I'm testing the waters on Xavier. I feel the same exact way about UConn. Same exact way about UConn. Last I like what I'm seeing, but I need to see it. I need to. I need. I, my, my, I'm dipping my toes in the water. I need to see what the water feels like. Um, I might just go play in the hot tub. I might just avoid the pool altogether. We gotta mute you right now. Um, <laughs> I don't know what's going on. Last thing, he did torch Ohio State, so we're not talking shit about his game, but it is funny because it seems like every time the Hunter Dickinson opens his mouth, it just I mean, blows up in his face. Um, the most recent, nonsense he has a podcast at this point. Like All, all you do is most, talk shit about teams you haven't played yet, brother. Play them first. The most recent example of Hunter Dickinson talking shit <laughs> and it blowing up in his face. I'm sure you saw this. You had to have seen this. He said that, first of all, he said that Wisconsin – were a bunch of scumbags, and then he showed up. He showed up. To, First of all, why? <laughs> like, he showed oh up to their game. He showed up to the game against Wisconsin in a ski mask. Oh my god! And Juwan and Howard's that, kid was wearing a free Juwan shirt too. That's. And he said that they're going to steal a win in Madison, and I mean, Wisconsin didn't score a bucket for the final ten minutes and forty-seven seconds of that game, and Michigan still lost by five. 
He shot the ball nine times. He couldn't even he couldn't even steal a bucket himself. He walks in with a ski mask. He calls them scumbags. Walks in with a ski mask on. Says we're going to steal a win, and then they end up losing the game. I think every single team he's talked about on his podcast, they've lost to. I I don't get it. It's just at least wait till you played them, my guy. That's the smart thing to do. (laughs) Then you know. You got anything else? All right. It's All been right. that kind of year. I don't have anything. I wasn't going to let you talk anymore anyways. All right. If you found us on the website, make sure to also subscribe on Spotify, Apple Music, uh, Stitcher, wherever you get your music and podcasts so that uh, when we put out new episodes, you'll be notified. We also may have some good news here in the next couple weeks about what happens with this uh, program beyond February. So stay tuned for that. Oh, yeah. That is good. Um, yeah. What was my part of this? Oh, uh, follow us at, on Twitter at BucketheadLGHL. <laughs> and follow me at Justin underscore Goldberg, but I'm pretty much not on Twitter anymore. Uh, <laughs> it's just been that kind of year. Um, also, I just think in general, like my job, my, my, my main job, I'm a director of communications. And also with this, you know, Twitter is just, I got too many, I got too many, too many fish in the pond right now. So, um, but yeah, you can follow us at Bucketheads. You know, still trying to build that up a little bit. So it's t- I don't really tweet during games anymore. I just there's no point to. But um yeah, we'll still tweet some fun stuff out. I don't know, maybe. Who knows? And then if you want to follow me on Twitter, it is at Lamons underscore Connor, L-E-M-O-N-S underscore C-O-N-N-O-R. If you if you lasted this long, we appreciate you for listening. <laughs> Everybody have a great weekend and go Bucks. <laughs> <laughs>